The Last Dance documentary has brought up the ongoing debate that no one will ever win. Is Michael Jordan the GOAT? Is LeBron the GOAT? One thing we do know for sure is Manscaped is the GOAT for below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. I would recommend the Perfect Package 3.0 kit, which comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water-resistant cordless body trimmer, also performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to use when you're done quarantining. You also get the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver with the Perfect Package 3.0 kit as well. Don't gamble on manscaping like MJ did before game two of the 93 conference finals. Play it safe with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code DNVR20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code DNVR20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Um, I know why. David knows why, and maybe you guys don't know why, but as I grew up in North Carolina, I was 11 years old, 1974, I think, when you guys won the championship. And uh, I was an anti-Carolina guy. I hated UNC. <laughs> and here I ended up at UNC. But I was, uh, I was in love with David Thompson. Not just for the game of basketball, but in terms of what he represented. You know, we all, as Vivian say, or said, we go through our trials and tribulations. And he did. And I was inspired by him. Um, and when I called him and asked him to uh, stand up for me, I know I shocked the shit out of him. <laughs> what is up, everybody? Welcome to the DNBA live show presented by Illegal Pete's. <laughs> let's go oh, it's a man. classic monday it's a classic <laughs> monday guys this is a very very typical monday i, I feel at the moment um, in, I'm your host, adam, in, in every way every conceivable <laughs> way um, i'm your host adam Mines, and i'm joined as always wearing his own shirt it's d-line co <laughs> yeah that's right i i am almost always wearing my own shirt it uh I, I, don't know what the, I don't know what that always, says about me. I'm always wearing your own shirt as well. <laughs> right below him, also wearing his own shirt, it is Brendan Vogt. Yeah, you, you took my joke, but hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was the obvious one. And then the man with the hair, it's Harrison Wynn. Not my own shirt, um, but I'm here. <laughs> yeah! Monday Harrison's internet connection. Is, it, is he blurry to you guys, or is it, yeah. is it like just me? Yeah. I think it's um, it's like one of those uh, Vaseline on the lens kind of thing. Like he's go, he's going glamour shots on us. Not sure. Better. I think it's one of those Vaseline on the lens thing. Yeah, yeah, like an '80s, like an '80s portrait, like a boudoir shot from the '80s. I've never once got Vaseline on my. A boudoir shot from the '80s. Holy yeah. crap! Uh, I, you know, don't blame me because you got, you guys don't know stuff. I don't know what to say. <laughs> that is true. We don't know stuff. Um, somebody who does know stuff and who joins us every Monday to help us talk about Michael Jordan and break down the latest episode of The Last Dance. My buddy Patrick Finan. Thanks for thanks for having me. I am uh, I'm a little bit sad that this may be the. Uh, the end of my run with you guys but since the last dance bro the no last i appreciate dance. you guys having me sincerely i think in the words of phil jackson we've created an image that people wanted to live up to and that's all you can really hope for <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's so inspiring patrick yeah. we, we need to write down our favorite memories from this uh the mj mondays and put them in a coffee can to burn at the end of the show <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking of the quote uh by either i'm not sure if it was mj or larry bird it was just f you bitch get out of here oh yeah, man <laughs> what a moment moment you know he's an all original that <laughs> nobody like all, all original that's the subject of today's show so the last dance is over um it's weird because it was 10 episodes long which is really long but i felt like it was actually the perfect um myself if i felt like if it would have um so monday if, if it would have kept going i think it probably would have been like okay we're, we're going on a little bit hot. for example if they would have covered the the uh, wizard years probably probably would have been great episodes <laughs> maybe not the best way to end it because those were the real last dance i mean if we're keeping it real i mean you say that but we spend like three hours four hours every time there's a game 
for the Nuggets, and the, when they play like the Wizards, oh, so like we we spent in, ten in, hours on in this episode fifteen. Like, Jordan turns down four future first round picks to draft Frank. <laughs> <laughs> he picked another target. Well, he had a good tournament, Patrick. You have to understand. He had a, a really, one really good game in the tournament. I can see the it. passion. Hey, look, he, he he wasn't that talented, but did you see him crying at the end? <laughs> I like to draft passion. I want to see the scary Terry episode. That's going to be a good one. Oh, scary Terry. Um, no, so I guess I'll just start with this. Patrick, you're you know you're our MJ guy. What's what was your what did you think of episodes nine and ten, and what what was sort of your biggest takeaway? Not from the series, but from how they they ended the last two episodes. To me, there was nothing shocking about the ending. I guess I didn't expect the Steve Kerr stuff. Um, I thought we had kind of already touched on Steve Kerr, and they really dove into the dad stuff. I kind of thought we had covered that part of MJ, that emotional part. So I thought that had a real uh, emotional kind of punch to it. But, man, you don't need an ending. That's the thing about this story in this documentary. You you don't have to come up with something. You don't have to manufacture something because it really it's a movie ending anyway. You know what I mean? So. I'm, I don't. I'm not saying it was boring. I think it was just right, but it, it was just what I expected. So, John Elway also had a perfect ending. You know, like this is one of the things that's, that's yeah. underrated, and it's why he's sort of like the king of Denver. And I don't know that he'll be passed. I think. I think John Elway's always going to be like the guy of Denver it's, sports. He and Peyton Manning, same ending. Right yeah, out on the well, on the horse. Be, El, Elway had the trials and tribulations, but uh, yeah. Peyton Manning had like a little truncated version of the Elway career. No, but there is something. Peyton's was more like if. If there's something the to be Lakers. said for if you do win the last ones, you know, like if it's yeah. like you, all those, all that failure and everything else, and then it's like, well, he went out not just with one, but two in Elway's case with Jordan, you know, basically six. <laughs> six. Well, Jordan just talks about that too. That's the reason he wanted to go, uh, well, maybe wanted to go out when he did because he wanted to go out on top. He didn't want to be forced into retirement like yeah. Vince Carter. Like um, he ultimately was. I, somebody, somebody's asking uh, who you're repping here, Patrick. So you can go ahead and uh, let them know. I'm repping the wolf, already. baby. Oh, oh, like Michael Jordan, I grew up hating North Carolina. Yeah, I'm like Michael Jordan. <laughs> big J.J. Hickson stand over <laughs> here. I'm a, yeah, I'm a big fan of his B and E work later on. It's, it's a, there's actually a lot of Patrick. There, every time there's like a new NC State person in Denver, like he'll he'll hit me up with it. So it's like Bradley Chubb was the latest one, I think. That's Julius Hodge back guy. in the day. Jay <laughs> Hodge. Jay, J, Julius Hodge's nickname was the Jewels of Harlem headed to stardom. It was the, it was the longest nickname I've ever heard. It was a full sentence. <laughs> I would have called him. I would have called him Julius Hodge for short. he claimed that people actually use that you know julie i don't obviously we can we don't need to spend much time on julius hodge but julius had a press conference where he announced that he was leaving for the nba after his junior year he let the reporters start asking questions then he said no i'm just messing with you guys i'm coming back Wow. <laughs> Picture of his wow. coach. That was almost as big of a fake out as his entire NBA career was. <laughs> <laughs> we should have definitely known. Like, if I would have heard just that story and known nothing else about him, I'd have been like, "Don't draft this guy." Questionable judgment. Incredible legacy. Second only to Jordan. No, but yeah, you're right. The storyline was really good. Let's start with the Steve Kerr part, though, because oh, I'm going to say one thing because we were talking about this earlier in the private chat. There have been a lot of people that have like it's almost in vogue to come up with the complaint, right? Like, ooh, I have I have a flaw in this documentary, let me voice in a like, you know, whatever. But one of the things that I've heard that I actually disagree with is that people didn't like the way it was told, the jumping back and forth. And first of hmm. all, I loved it. I thought it felt like Godfather Two, where there's like parallel <laughs> yeah. storylines kind of going in, what the backstory and the and the present story. But also like I like the way they introduced Steve Kerr here. It wasn't that it was the penultimate episode and it was like, well, he's the second most important, so we got to go here. But he was very <clears throat> pertinent to 97 and 98, and so it would just lent itself perfectly to a, mm-hmm. like, oh, let's talk about Steve Kerr. The only, thing that, the only thing that surprised me at all was, again, everything was, I thought, very structured and kind of moved well, and it was... They, they covered all of Jordan and the father stuff, which was really, really, you know, emotional. And then they kind of came back. They didn't really come back around to anything else, in my opinion, but they really came back around Gus, you know, being kind of a father figure and Steve Kerr in this one. They kind of just stayed with that for the last four episodes, as opposed to just like hitting like an episode or two and then moving to a different thing. Yeah. So 
I don't know. I don't really have a feeling on either way, but it surprised me. I thought Steve. Kerr, I thought it was fine because it was just effective in telling the entire story because there was just so much to cover yeah. with this documentary. The they were trying to cover the Last Dance, the final season. They were trying to cover you know the first three peat and the second three peat and all the inner workings. They're trying to cover the backstory of Scotty and Michael. There's just so much to go on, so they probably had to do that you know, to to get to everything. I I wish they had maybe picked out a little more carefully what they were trying to cover and, and, and maybe in that sense we could have gotten you know a, a, a better telling of a more specific story but you know at the end of the day like this was for entertainment purposes and, and it got me there so I'm not you know, yeah it's like I don't think it was it was a perfect way to present this but you want it to be long enough you need it to be something around 10 episodes and, and I want yeah it. there were like a, there were a couple moments that felt like a little clunky with the editing you know where it was like Oh, we're out of the Indiana series. Now we're into another series. Like there was a, a couple like little moments like that, but I was like, oh, okay, I don't give. Like, I would just yeah. whatever they whatever they wherever they dropped me, I was just like in. I'm like, where are we going? Let's go. It was especially difficult because they played the Jazz in both the '97 and '98 finals. So yeah, like, yeah, jumping like, back and forth actually yeah. kind of confused me. So. Um, but I was excited that. One, right? yeah. I really I mean, enjoyed it. This was the story of Michael Jordan. It was the story, like, as much as it was, it's funny because when I first heard of this doc and they're like, it's about the 98 season, I was kind of bummed because I was like, I kind of want the full Michael Jordan story. Mm -hmm. I don't want just that mm -hmm. one year, which I'm sure it's kind of interesting. Um, but it was the full story of Michael Jordan, and I'm glad that we got it, even though it was pretty much the story we already know, just prettier. It was like the <laughs> IMAX version. So it was, um, well, if you're going to make the of, definitive version, right? Like, I think we can all agree there's no need for this again, right? Like, you're right. going to make the definitive version. Obviously, the people that lived it, you know, you're familiar with it. All the legends have been told so many times. But it's kind of cool that they now we have one big definitive volume. You can revisit it if you want. You never have to again. But it's there, and we don't really have to dive back into it now. It just kind of exists, I think. So yeah. there'll be there'll be at least. Four more. You know how many Beatles <laughs> yeah, right. documentaries there are? <laughs> like, somebody somebody yeah. told me, uh, I saw on Twitter that said something like, um, Ken Birds told the entire Civil War in the same amount of time. You know what's funny? Actually, uh, Ken Burns spent more than twice as long on baseball, though, than he did on the Civil War. <laughs> well, there's so, more. But you know, this tells you, though, that we know. the game's are long. Sports yeah. are so rich, though. It's kind of funny because this was 10 hours, yeah. but it was such an enjoyable 10 hours. That it's like, man, we got yeah. all of this out of, like, basically one story, one one player's career. Like, you could do another one of these for LeBron and Dr. J and Larry. And it's just like, we. this is why we love sports. This is why we tune in. Because Plus, yeah, like, to most Americans, Dele. right or yeah, wrong, yeah. this is more important than the Civil War. <laughs> It shouldn't be. <laughs> it shouldn't be. But they know more about it. They'll know more about it. I love that in underhanded. I love that in underhanded. <laughs> oh, he was ready too. That was the yeah, witness, nice. man. Wow. Um, let's, talk, let's talk about Steve Kirk because I thought, I mean, obviously, of episode nine, he was the winner. And. I had known all of his stories, you know, known about his father, though I had never heard him talk about it. Um, I had known, you know, a little bits about he has always been so impressive to me. And we know this Harrison and, and vote from covering the league. And, and, you know, we talk to a lot of coaches and there's some that are just complete dicks, including Greg Popovich, who's like a, a nice guy. Steve Kerr is always insightful. He's always thoughtful. He's always incredibly gracious and polite. He never like, and just even in his interviews and stuff, I always find him so. And then when you go through this and you see sort of the pain he's carried and and some of the stuff he's gone through, and then also realize, low key, kind of a badass. Like this dude is impressive. I was just walked away even more impressed with Steve Kerr than I already was, and I'm surprised by that because I already had him up here. Yeah, Steve Kerr could have a ten part biopic or documentary just on his story it's so crazy like and it's a bit of the classic underdog basketball story no scholarships out of high school like finds his way onto this perfect situation on the bulls but didn't you guys feel like kerr was a great um like opposite character of jordan like just, sure. just opposite <laughs> stories opposite personalities yeah. um just like just, just opposite like viewpoints on a lot of things and just how they kind of told their respective stories. Yeah. He was a he was a mortal that was deeply intertwined in a god's story, and yeah. there is something for us who are completely Take on the, the mortal side of this. He's our conduit, like our way into right. that, you know. And there's something very relatable about Steve Kerr that um, I think endured all the way to the Golden State days, even when 
the Warriors were that team that kind of just had that air of like, uh, I don't know, Steve's like relatability and authenticity kind of shown through the whole way. So uh, he's yeah. a, he's one of the big winners. Yeah. Sure. Plus, like, like just listening to him talk, there's like his eyes are so deep. Yeah. Like there's yeah. there's a still waters run deep kind of thing. There's like a pain that's on his face. And it's also like in the way that he's talking about it, he's like really thinks about what he's going to say before he says it. Um, and he has like, an, he comes from like a super intellectual family. Like you can tell his mom was like yeah. one of those like intellectual moms that probably didn't hug him that, that often. But so like he, but you know, like made him do, uh, yeah, but like, but he's just, he's just like a really self-reflective person. So I, I appreciated that. Like, like you're saying, like, you know, Michael Jordan, not, particularly self-reflective in a good way. Like he's not hung up. He's not thinking about like, Oh man, I got to take the last shot. I'm like, I got to be ready. Blah, 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 all this stuff. But yeah, that uh, juxtaposition is important. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Yeah. yeah it's it it great. And it, also, uh, did anybody else really enjoy the moment? You've seen it a hundred times, but just hearing Steve Kerr talk about it, where Jordan puts the cup up in 97, you know, kind of whispers, hey, they're going to come double, be ready. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah. Yells, he's like, I'm over he's here. He's just, like, like so excited. Like, come double, I'll be ready. I was just like, that is the most relatable thing, 100%. I would stumble yeah. over my words. I would yeah. yell it back. I'd be like, oh, God, i got to impress him. i got to show him I'm ready. So funny to me, man. What I also love is that, you know, we all – I learned this back when I'd watch film of myself playing basketball. Because you could do something and you'll feel like the coolest person ever. And Steve Kerr just hit a game winner in the finals. And then, like, rewatches it, but has the self awareness to be like, God, even that make I look like a doofus. <laughs> <laughs> it's the coolest I thing. Like, like, 10 people that have done something cooler in this their life, and I look like an idiot doing it. You know what? No one's ever had two more masterful, masterfully comic uh, moments at, like, award ceremonies. You know, when they were there in Grand Park and he's, he gives the. You know, Michael said he wasn't comfortable in this, and they didn't even show it. But in 98, he gets up to tell essentially the same story and how he volunteered to take the last shot in 98. <laughs> and he said, and Phil said, Steve, let's face it, last year was a fluke. Get the hell out of the way. He's like, but he, he owned that moment like two years in a row and like made this comic act. It was like great. Yeah. He's a he's another one of these guys, and it seems like in basketball is such a tight knit. I think one of the things people maybe don't realize about the NBA is that NBA franchises are like mom and pop shops. There are not that many people actually right. involved yeah, in it, totally. even though they're huge. But he so when a player is has success or a coach or a general manager or whatever, they tend to weave in and out of a lot of storylines. And think about Steve Kerr; he played on that incredible team with Michael Jordan. Got coached by Phil Jackson. Then where does he go? San Antonio. Plays with <laughs> yeah. Greg Popovich. Gets coached um, by, uh, by by Greg Popovich. Plays with Tim Duncan. Then he goes to Phoenix. He's there when Shaq is there. He's also there with Steve Nash, obviously, Mike D'Antoni. Then he's coached. Just think about it. He was with basically every major team except for the LeBron teams over the last 40, 35 years. Yeah, it's relatively like- speaking, relative to his abilities and everything else, he may have had the most fortunate career of all time, like you know in any field. Like. But to an extent, he makes his own fortune to an extent, right? I agree. For sure. He's, I, he's one of the great role. Like we talked about like the guy you would want on your team, right? Like that sort of character guy that fits in and gives you everything he's got for sure. Yeah. Um, but if he wasn't such a good teammate, you know, if he wasn't like such a high IQ player, he wouldn't have been on those teams. Right. Yeah. And then I think he also then brings a really interesting perspective to I mean, we all know the famous clip where he pulls KD aside and tells him the story of Phil telling Mike who's yeah. open pass him the ball. I mean, but he's telling this story from, hey, I was one of the other guys on that team. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, but but and, and but I wasn't also a schmuck. I won. I was around. <laughs> you know my name. So he kind of has this best of both world things. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. like, oh, no wonder he thrives in this coaching position. It's just know? it's just the way that he presents the information. It's like if he were to come out and be boisterous about it, he act like Kyle Kuzma acts and had these <laughs> things that he'd actually done. It's just he's self-effacing. He's like he uses every opportunity <clears throat> to sort of cut out the idea that he should be out there. But sports is a pure meritocracy. Like he's not out there if he's not getting the job done like they're not putting him in that place if they don't think he can right. get the shot he hits the shot he's he just doesn't bring the swag around he doesn't have the swag it was kind of cool to hear him talk about Paxson too because you always think for anybody at least that watched the first three like I remember seeing the parts of the first three Pete when I was much younger and then like thinking like oh you know Kurt is kind of filling that Paxson he was he was less important than Paxson was really overall I mean Paxson was like the starting point guard for those teams but hearing him talk about how he mentored him, like, I didn't know that angle. I didn't know yeah. he was there. Yeah. Like, that was Paxson's last year when Kirk came in, kind of took him over under his wing. But they really did. They kind of filled that same position in a lot of big games. Blue-collar uh, white guys that could shoot the rock. Exactly. Got to stick together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> they're like, we got Doug McDermott on the phone. We were talking to uh, guy in... which team? I guess actually, let's take a quick break, Harrison. Um, you can get our first read when we get back. We'll get back to some more MJ stuff, and I also want to ask just which team was more likable, the Jazz teams or the 76ers teams? Because I kind of feel like the 76ers were sort of the co-stars of this episode, but we'll talk about that mm. on the other side. Yeah, well, Breckford Brewery, guys, offers a lot of different beers, but if you haven't checked out the um, Mile High City Copper Lager, which uh, they debuted, what, like three, four months ago, five months ago, right? right uh, before the Nugget season ended, yes. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. January, February. As I, How as long I remember, ago was that? As I remember it, it was six to seven years ago. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. what I remember as well. But anyways, I really personally enjoy this beer, and you can get a 15-pack of the Mile High City Copper Lager uh, for only 17 bucks. So it's like a little over a dollar a beer, great value. And I really enjoy the beer, super light. Such uh, a good got, beer. Got some flavor too. You can drink a lot of them, which uh, some of our <laughs> listeners keep in mind. It's I'll, an I'll important honest, choice yo, for we've some been, people. We've been in more than one, probably loser's lounge, maybe a winner's lounge where I was like, Oh no! I uh, that's my third one, and we've been on the air the whole time. And pretty soon, myself and the rest of everyone is going to pay the pay the piper here. Do you guys remember winners lounges? Those were nope. fun. <laughs> no, 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 I do not. Remember them. Vaguely remember them. Yeah. So if you're uh, looking for some brews this week, check out the Mile High City Copper Lager, the 15 pack of 12 ounce cans. Also, let let's review the uh, Ta Open. From oh, this past weekend, do we? Can we not? Can we move uh, on? Yeah, we can actually make this a shorter. <laughs> God, I love Tahopen. Wasn't my best day out on the links so. at all. I can't believe your reign of terror. Your reign of terror last Patrick, lasted on one WGT, tournament. Are you? You got to get on WGT. Patrick, with the F. Man, it's so much fun. Yeah, what the That's heck? how we'll stay in touch, bro. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm on it. I'm on it. These will be our uh, wizards. Our yeah, wizard I'm like years the Michael together. Jordan of golf. Yeah. He is. I'm constantly out of his Michael Jordan of golf. Did you get talked to? He didn't, he didn't even place in this last uh, time. No, he just wants to gamble. Neither would MJ. <laughs> MJ's also terrible at golf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I always like think that somebody who's that driven really does still suck at something. Right? Like, I realize he would kick my ass like I'm a terrible golfer, but it's just nice to think that, yeah, he's never going to get beyond a certain point. There's always going to be a lot of people better. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, we did a closest to the pin a challenge on wgt golf last weekend we'll do another tournament this weekend so if you want to join up dnvrgolf.com that's where you can download the wgt app from then all you gotta do is search the dnvr clubhouse you'll be in i, did I put one I in the water better than everybody though I you did, did. you came in first of, first of this clump like you, the, yeah, I, put one, I put one in the water and it was over me for too. Me. it was just like all sadness from that point forward <laughs> we like legitimately take pride in how well we play oh. this, this phone golf <laughs> you don't even understand like the, se- the second i finished up and i saw adam's name a few ahead of me i was like yeah. you know should i, I should i kill myself like what do i do like i, I can't face this <laughs> the exact opposite of how i felt um so, so um the it's funny because listening to some podcasts and some different people you know J.A. Adonde and and some of the people that cover this league Wilbon they really think that that Pacers team was the best challenge to the the Bulls of all of the teams really and it just happened to come in a conference finals but um what do you think Patrick I mean in your perspective was that the best the, the, the biggest challenger they had I think in their run I, I'm not sure if they were the best team they faced I think uh, combination of the team they faced at the point they were at, right? Kind of on their last legs in their last run. I think it was definitely the biggest uh, biggest challenge. And honestly, man, that Indiana team, I think they're kind of largely forgotten now, but you know, facing the Lakers and the Bulls, like, you know, the beginning of Shaq and Kobe, like it's a pretty unfortunate, you know, circumstance for trying to get that, that first title for Reggie Miller and those groups because those were good teams. And then fast forward a little bit further and get to 05 and they've got you know, the malice in the palace and it's just a lot of unfortunate, like could have gone a different way. I think yeah. for, for that, t- that kind of, gr- I know those were a couple different groups, but sort of Reggie's run uh, in Indiana, but yeah, man, they, they had them on the ropes in game seven. I mean, does anybody remember watching that game seven? Like I no. do. I, I mean, <laughs> it really, like that first quarter was, it was just like, okay. I mean, at one point I think they were down 16, 17 points. And I was like, this is not the way you want to have a, a game seven. And it was, and Jordan was very, much it reminded me of Kobe in game seven against Boston where he kept trying to shoot through it wasn't oh, hitting yeah. anything and it eventually just went down and started grabbing rebounds away from 
7-4 Rick Smiths and stuff like you know just do it but it was scrambling it was like a very ugly gutsy win it was they one of those ones like half you, of the offensive rebounds available in that game yeah it's one of those ones that you end up respecting them so much for the just like we talk about that drive like just gotta win gotta do whatever it takes but but in no way is it one of those ones where you're like wow just an amazing performance by everybody I mean it was just total gutsy and uh they were able to somehow somehow pull it out yeah that's one of the things about this documentary though is like the story what we got from it was kind of like you know they gritted through it or whatever like they didn't even talk about the rebounding now if you went right. to a game and you out rebounded on the offensive glass like it was like 22 to 3 it's like yeah. that. So you think you'd be like, you know, this is an important detail of why the series went away. Not even mentioned. Yeah. It's true. It. There's a lot to cover. There's a lot to cover. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's hard to get into it. No one likes talking about offensive rebounds. We were talking about. <laughs> you had to get the, uh, the, the Jordan Bird post interview scene in there. I mean, no yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like, yeah, I what's the first trade... thing you cut out? I would trade the importance of that game for that exchange. Like, I've never seen that exchange before, and that was that. Uh, yeah, that was funny. That's like a funny thing about every one of the series when they end. They show the you know like is it Carl Malone or whatever like go up and hang out with them on the bus, and it's like always in complete opposite like. Di- defiance of what you always hear like oh in the old days if i would have seen carl malone outside i would have killed him and his family i'm not gonna talk and then like in reality they're all like on the bus hugging jordan played golf with danny a yeah 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 between that playoff series you know i'm glad that myth is dispelled that what a dumb thing to to hang your hat on there's only one myth that i really care to be dispelled it's that one like that is the dumbest of the no i'm telling you it still gets talked oh i know I was listening to Bill Simmons last week, and he was like, you know why there'll never be another MJ? Mm-hmm. The guys these days are all... Man, that's a pretty good Bill Simmons. That's yeah, like, that's better like, than I'm comfortable all, with. Frighteningly. All buddy-buddy, but not MJ. Uh, he wants to take the guys out to dinner. I guess like, he fucking was. He yeah. He's like, MJ didn't even like his own teammates. Like, yeah, exactly. But he also did it to mess with them mentally, Adam. He wasn't actually friends with any of these people. That's actually, that's actually possible. That might actually be it. The I like that Reggie Miller was... was I mean, I, I thought he came out like he was ready to take him down in this. You know what I mean? Like, I really kind of enjoyed all of his like Reggie we is win. one of the most toughest badass like legitimately not afraid dudes on a basketball court and he's one yes. of the lamest dudes off of it I, yes I can't reconcile the two like he's actually really cool as a player yeah we've been right. forced to do a lot of this over the last 10 to 15 years with just inside the NBA alone like all of these <laughs> like amazing stars you're that now you were like oh wow Charles Barkley was really good at basketball. He wasn't just like a bumbling <laughs> idiot. Or like Shaq, too. You like yeah. see them as they're, when they're young. You're like, what is this? Like, what have we been left with with these guys? It felt like to me that Reggie or Michael had a really good level of respect for Reggie. Even though Reggie wasn't like this, um, you know, top five guy in the league. It felt like Michael just respected the hell out of Reggie because he wasn't afraid of him and never really backed down and was kind of clutch, too. Yeah. Dude, it's crazy also how thin Reggie Miller is. Like, oh, just man. his arms. Like, he's yeah. just, especially when you're looking at, you know, you're talking about the rough and tumble era of the 90s and the 2000s. It's like, that, that's what makes me laugh. But he's so, so unaffected. So you know, unaffected. When, when people talk he's about, you know, well, you know, KD, we would have knocked him on his ass. It's like, dude, Reggie Miller <laughs> was a <laughs> shorter version of that who was just as skinny and did really, really well. Like, he was still very fell back then. Yeah. <laughs> I also uh, love how many guys have gained MJ's like respect by not backing down or saying they didn't back down Always. and then Gary Payton tried to say that about himself and MJ just wasn't having it at all he's like Mike respects when you don't back down he's like you think they just caught him at the end of a long day and he's like alright this look what I think is actually about that is look MJ Again, when we talk about the myth of MJ, there's always the truth to it. Like, it actually is a great story. It's just that there's always a little extra on it. And I think MJ is just so both aware of his own myth but also believes it. So in his mind, yeah, of course I did. Are you kidding? Gary Payton? Nah, man, come on. I'm up here. He's down here. Did you you guys have any memory? Adam, you asked uh, who, who I thought the biggest, biggest, uh, you know, threat to them was. Did you get, I know they faced the Jazz twice, so a lot of times people think, oh, you know, the Jazz was kind of the matchup. They were down 0-1 and, you know, this yeah. kind of stuff. And it took the flu game. They might have gone 7 if they hadn't been able to pull that one out. But d- did you guys have any memory of that blowout game? 
where they no. were won by 40, 60. I, I, yeah, so, I don't have a memory of this at all. Of, I used to always talk about this. I used to always say, like, even if these things, yeah, it could have gone seven this way. It could have gone. In 97, they also had a, they had a, like a 35-point win or something like that. Like, in both of those series, there was one game that was just, you know, they just destroyed them. And then in both of those series, it was like a Jordan game winner. And 30 like, points well, in those. got to pull that, out two games. 30 points against the Bulls is also like 100 points against yeah, the Bulls. That's the thing. Those Back games are like 80, 85 to 81. They were so really low scoring. So Holy cow. Well, Kirk man. talked about this. He said, you know, back then he's like, I can remember when just every possession was so nerve-wracking. Because yeah. every possession just meant so much. You the just pace for these games was in the 70s. Although, yeah. Oh, oh, because it's the pace. It wasn't just they were clanking shots. It was, it was a very, was, very slow pace. Yeah. And it was also like the Bulls. It's funny. The Bulls were extremely good defensively. That was, a, yeah. It, yeah. You always we focus on the offensive end of it, but they really were a defensive team. So they yeah, it was like people. they had the best scorer ever, yeah. and like complimentary pieces. But they had this team of defenders. I mean, yeah, they were all Harper locking arms with Jordan, with Pippen, with Rodman, and then honestly, people don't like to give any credit to Luke Longley, but like. You know, that's a seven-foot stopper. Not, not pictured, the by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> not not yeah. pictured yeah. in this documentary. Apparently because he is hates MJ. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? They, they, they've never, like, I think it was, like, a Scott Burrell situation gone bad. <laughs> MJ once said, like, like in, front of, <laughs> in front of Luke Longley, MJ once said, like, New York's got Ewing. I can't remember the other center he said. And then okay, I've got, right. I've got uh, what, 21 feet of shit for, like, his three <laughs> seven-footers <laughs> in front of all of them. It's just like on the way to the last championship, and it's kind of indefensible, right? But Luke Longley also, that dump off, that last, they didn't show it, but Jordan had a huge dump off pass to Longley to kind of seal the game. They did show the clip, but they didn't put in there, you know, this was the moment where they had a chance to go up two possessions and essentially seal game seven or not. Jordan drives, gets doubled, dumps it off to Longley for the shot no one ever takes anymore, right? Baseline, kind of mid-range jumper, and he knocks it down, and it's a huge shot, and I'll never forget my, I watched that game with my brother, and at the moment Jordan passed the long lead, he screamed no, like top of his lungs. <laughs> he was so angry, and he's like, "Well, I'm glad he did it, but you don't pass that ball." No different so, era. was right. Twenty-one anyway. feet of shit. That what a great line. So I'm just gonna need the, thir- the three of your uh, heights so I can do a little yeah. math. Yeah. He wasn't just an <laughs> asshole. He was a really good asshole. Oh, that's the thing about it is he's kind of like Ari Gold, right? Like where so Patrick and I worked for an agent and this is how we met is when we were both working in Hollywood. We worked for an agent and I always joke that we worked for Ari Gold. He just wasn't funny. (laughs) That sounds fun. (laughs) Or successful. Yeah, that sounds cool. (laughs) So it was like Ari Gold or or, I'm sorry. So Michael Jordan, he's like insulting everybody, but always in the way. Right. Well, it all somehow it feels like like when you're razzing your guys and you're all get along, even though clearly not all these people got along with Jordan, but it feels like with him, oh, it's just the boys messing with each other, you know, and they can give as well as they can get, even though no one really could. Everyone was kind of afraid of him. <laughs> and for the first time ever, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit on these other episodes, but for the first time ever, you really see that moment of Jordan kind of considering this could all come crashing down before that game seven, right? And he's sitting there and they're just staying on him with the camera. And when uh, is it a Rashad that says some some can't some can yeah. yes or some can some can't which I thought was really awesome. There's a moment where he's like, "Yep, yep," and you can see Jordan kind of absorbing it. And then he says, "Don't tell Burrell that." Yeah, don't get stay with him, Scott Burrell. And like that was terrifying. This, him. It's suddenly this moment where I'm like, "Is some of this Jordan hyping himself, needing to find that weak link and separate him?" You know what I mean? See, like, I took I took that moment as like Scott Burrell's not ready for that to think about it like that like like genuinely don't, like don't don't get in his head for like, sure you know for what sure. I, mean? like, that, I think that's obvious but was Amara Rashad really going to say that or or did it help Jordan in some way that psychological edge we always talk about that edge to be like all right maybe. let me mention the guy who's not ready for it I'm not him you know what I mean like I almost it almost seemed like to me this is just me bringing my own stuff to it but it seemed like to me he was like Putting that separation in there a little more, you know, getting a little more confident before that game. When it comes to analysis, some can and some can't, Patrick. That's all I have to say. <laughs> you're, you're way off. <laughs> Guy, actually, while you're sitting, can you pull up a? You know who? What I was also one of my notes I have here is that Carl Malone is such a weird looking guy. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> We don't ever talk about that. I've never heard anybody talk about this, but man, he is like his head like sits like in his chest. Yo, you know? I cannot and believe it's very here. tiny. His shoulders are so big that his head looks microscopic. I cannot believe of that motley crew, you 
pointed out Carl Malone and not John Stockton. The you Lego man. John Stockton. No, John Stockton is like a Boy Scout troop leader. Yeah. Like he oh, looks yeah, like. Sure. I mean, his he hair is painted on his hair. Is never they, dude, when they started talking to him, I was like, "Is this? This is a joke, right? Like he. This is like he's not actually like this. Like he's not actually a camp counselor. Like he's an NBA superstar. Uh, he's just putting it on for Utah to make them feel comfortable. But it turns out he's just that guy. Like he landed in the right place for his career. Yeah. <laughs> great clip from the dream team where Stockton's just walking through like all these people are there in American gear and no one recognizes John yeah. Stockton. Yeah. 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 He was, like, anyone else on the team, right? He was just like, geez, well, golly, I told Michael Jordan. I mean, well, yeah. well heck. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> they also hated each other. They really, they competed a lot of years. Like they had a real kind of short white guy rivalry going. Oh, on. really? The, he didn't, he didn't lean that. on him like he did John Paxson. <laughs> they got into some near fist fights on the court. He competes Ooh. with uh, Steve Kerr, too, for, like, insane moments followed by insanely awkward celebrations. <laughs> <laughs> so in the Stockton fish pumps, you're like, was that your entire half of your body? Just That's the best. Yeah. Well, uh, well said. So if we wrap this up, I know after we take a break, I want to talk about, like, just who won and who lost. But before we get there, just kind of put a button on this, like. What is what is the the big takeaway? Maybe we're supposed to. I mean, it is interesting how we end in '98. It's like, oh, we could have won seven if we'd have kept going. Except for damn Kraus, we got a couple more jabs in at Jerry Kraus. Um, Reinsdorf, by the way, completely like unscathed through all this. Like he he doesn't he doesn't come off at bad at all. Um, but what are we supposed to like take away from this? Um, I, and I'll start with you, Patrick. What do you what do you feel like people should be taking away from this documentary? I just think at the end of the day. Jordan's the biggest winner from this thing because now people are once again saying, yep, go, you know what I mean? Where, whereas people were doubting it. And, and we already knew this, but we've learned even more that we, we will just forgive almost anything. Right. And I'm not saying everything has to be forgiven, but we'll forgive most things if you win and if you'll kill yourself trying to do something right. Like we love passion. So your other flaws, we will just forgive. Yeah. And I'm not saying, he should have been able to do everything he did and also be a nice guy. You know, I'm not going to get into that. I'm just saying he wasn't always a nice guy and no one cared and still no one cares. You know, like you won, <laughs> you gave us these moments and we're, we're cool with whatever else, you know, comes ends, along. Ends justify the means. All's well that ends well. There's like a variety, there's a, a whole handful of cliches that could fall into this category. Right. Well, one other thing I will say though, I, I used to talk about this a lot. I think six and eight years where Jordan was, basically gone for those other two in our minds definitely still makes them seem more dominant than if they had won seven and eight years and but we'd watch them lose and i know that's one less ring but i remember thinking about this like you know 20 years ago even when people were saying oh they would have won eight straight and like you know leaving and then coming back where it seems like where no one can really argue that you wouldn't have won right like even if it's totally improbable you've got jordan whose whole career was defying what, what should have been, right? Like shooting yeah. guards aren't supposed to win. Uh, scoring champs aren't supposed to win. You know, three-peats aren't supposed to happen. Comebacks aren't supposed to happen. Everything he did defied conventional wisdom. So that's why people can still make that argument that seems silly under any other circumstance. Yeah, we just rattled off eight, right? Even though we were completely depleted of energy both times. Like, no, nah, they would have found a way. And I just think that stays in your mind and that invincibility it, it yeah. speaks louder than an, another ring, in my opinion. Yeah, and like, like until you see them lose, that they, they don't lose. What right. do you what take do you, away from it, Eric? So, I mean, the main thing that I took from it was just uh, the weight of celebrity, like what it takes to accomplish yeah. winning, in the, like why sports are different, like what what it actually looks like to be a champion, like, and then... You know, you bring up questions like, is it even worth it in the end? Like, what does it all mean? So um, it was like really interesting to just sort of go through that uh, that whole journey with Michael Jordan because he's so confident about everything that he does all the time. But then you start to see little cracks. You start to see people, you know, like his people talking about him after the fact, maybe in less flowery terms. Like, and um, Can I push back on that? Because yeah. we've spent four episodes now talking about this, myself included. I think I actually led the charge on this. There was some great writing today by Jack McCollum, who knows Jordan and, and one of the more famous writers you know, to have gone through. He 
he's talking about like, yeah, I've seen this narrative a lot, but actually he is happy. Like I talk to him a lot. He's an extremely <laughs> fulfilled person. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he, and, and the other thing he said, and look, Jack McCollum, I don't believe to be a guy that's like, oh, this is the propaganda guy. Like, you know, no, he's a very well respected. Like, this is his take. And he says, even the Charlotte Hornets stuff, he says the biggest thing that gets him right now is that his Hornets team isn't good. He just, yeah. it kills him that he hasn't been able to build a good franchise. <clears throat> now, I, I just can't fully buy that, but at least it's like I'm hearing from a reputable source this other perspective of like, no, MJ's yeah. thrilled. He loves his life. That's Krause's <laughs> only revenge. That yeah. Jordan hasn't Dude, been able to play. He beats him. He, he, like, beat him he couldn't do Krause's job yeah. better. Yeah, but it's funny just to see sort of like the pressure that builds up and where the weak links are. The people that start to get up, you know, the the there's the conflict between the front office, the players, like who's yeah. responsible, who you know, and it's just sort of interesting to see all of that manifest when you talk about. You're, what you're talking about, Patrick? Like, oh yeah, of course they you put those player to get players together. They're going to win eight in a row, no problem. But it's like when the human element and the the unknown and the chaos come in, like that's you know, it's like yeah. a whole different situation. And the other thing that was really impressive about this to me is just when I knew all these things, but when you put them all together, forget about three in a row or like you said, they're they're tired, everything else. When you put together the fact that yeah, Dennis Rodman left again, <laughs> like he, like <laughs> all of the things that they shouldn't have been able to keep it together and get through that, that last game. I remember him leaving. I remember thinking, Oh God, they're going to lose Scottie Pippen's out. I remember him pulling his back out on that first dunk. I do not remember the images of him crouching like a 60 year old man. And I mean, I could feel no, the pain. No I mean, that was worse than watching the blue game clips, right? Like you you had a tight back played basketball moment yet, Patrick. No, not yet. Not oh, yet. I, I had one about three years ago, and it was it was like the lamest. Just like, oh wow, this is happening. My back hurts. Like, Yo, I had a, I had a tight back eating jelly beans moment the other day. <laughs> that's the reason this team. I think the legacy though is there, and that's the thing you respect the most. Is like enduring all that stuff. That's the stuff you don't. You know, the the X factors that aren't really yeah. a part of like, oh, you're more talented than them, or you know, you've got to overcome this moment on the court. It's like just all these little hurdles that I guess happen inevitably with three years in a row when you're making a run and they just got through everyone. So for you, Brendan, I'm real curious now because I know this was for you sort of an introduction to MJ. Obviously you knew a lot of the stories, but just, you know, experiencing him, what do you, what do you, what are your takeaways or what do you, what is your overarching sort of opinion now um, uh, on both the documentary and on him? Yeah, I mean, I would say one of my bigger gripes with the documentary is that I'm not sure if I can give you a great answer to this question. And yeah. and I personally think it, was, it would have walked me to what, like, I think we all know Michael Jordan was great and obsessed with greatness and had his own brand of, of chasing that greatness. Um, but I don't, like, I didn't feel like a story was presented to me. You know what I mean? I, okay. I, I did feel like they relived some moments with some cool interviews and highlights, but it was more of like, a compilation of things I'd sort of already heard and, and myths I'd sort of already formed in my head. So I enjoyed it. Um, putting any sort of real-time context to what is mostly just stories for me was great. But it was a little lacking in that I actually don't feel like I come away with a complete understanding of the MJ story, if that, yeah. if that makes sense. No, totally. Um, what about you, Harrison? Yeah, I, I think all that stuff makes sense. And uh, what I learned from it is a little bit of all that. I mean... I mean, my, my takeaway, I guess what the doc showed me is that Jordan is the most competitive player in league history who's hated to lose and loved to win more than anybody ever has. I guess that that's what I think the doc was showed me. Um, just Jordan's invincibility was, was crazy to me. Like, he could do whatever and still, you know, roll out of bed with the flu or um, – like the flu game or the pizza game and still, you know, have this legendary performance. He said before, I forget what finals game it was against the jazz, but it was that shot where they followed him from the bus to the court. I think it was for shoot around. And he was going over his like morning routine and he was like, yeah, I stretched I had a couple beers. I smoked a cigar. I played a piano and now I'm at shoot around. <laughs> it's like, yeah, maybe he that's only cool. one cigar. Only one. Just the one, one. cigar. Know who knows smoke to cigar, start to finish, right? I mean, you guys Does, all does anyone know? Right? Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of felt like I should start smoking cigars watching this. this the cigars are the big winner from this documentary. Absolutely. Cigars are making a real I don't stand. think you should start smoking cigars. <laughs> I want to be like, Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who knows if what he was saying was true, but even if it right. like, wasn't, you still think he could do that, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I actually, I've come around 
for another answer, and it's that I think history is always kinder to greatness than we ever will be in real time. Oh, I, yes. I didn't realize the extent to which Jordan was criticized throughout mm-hmm. his career until the moments when you could no longer criticize him. And I just think about guys, even guys who didn't go, you know, six for six, you know, the obvious example being LeBron, but, but there's more than one of them of just how will we talk about these guys 10, 12 years from now? Um, and will that probably be far kinder than we ever did as they were figuring this thing out? You know, God, you know another thing that just like really kept hitting me over and over. It was just, I was so struck by how elegant Michael Jordan was on the court. Like his movement oh, was yeah. just so elegant's a good word. I like, no, like never had better body like, control. Yeah. It, but it's just yeah, it's like just watching it over and over. I mean, you see the clips, you see like the thing where he switches hands unnecessarily, which I, they show, they've shown mm-hmm. that too many times for yeah. that to be impressive anymore. Um, but just, just see him in and out of traffic and like in real time, like the combination of power and grace is an, Oh, is it's incredible. Like, it's I, I, too. like he's just so fast and just jumps and just hangs. Yeah. It really is like it, uh, that, that's definitely something that jumps off of the pay of the screen when you're watching MJ yeah. play is like, he can do things that other players can do. It just looks better. It's what Leonardo DiCaprio said back in 98. <laughs> that was poetic. <laughs> How funny was it when Jordan walked out and said, we just, we just watched a movie. Man with the iron face. <laughs> They're like, iron mask. Iron He's like, yeah, man with the iron mask. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to, to MJ's credit, that movie absolutely sucks. So there's no, really, <laughs> no. There's no reason to remember. It's another movie. example of celebrities becoming not celebrities around him. Like he's the only <laughs> the only one that held True. his weight was Seinfeld, by, who left the locker room by no, saying, that's no, not no, going to no. work. Strong disagree. Yeah. Seinfeld, I thought, felt overwhelmed by Michael Jordan. And that was one of my takeaways <laughs> when it happened. Is I was like, man, he kind of seems nervous. Like, Maybe so. I just know right on now. the way out to turn and have that moment to like point at a play. I just thought yeah. that was still, like, I mean, I know these guys are quick. Comedians are quick, but be like, yeah. no, no way. This is going to work. Yeah, on who, the way out. But that's a, that's a pretty great moment. I, I would, I he would wasn't going to leave that room without one moment. Yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. Leave. he was like, let me get my head. All right. Yep. Here's the joke. Who loses a staring contest is uh sitting president, Barack Obama or peak Michael Jordan. Just looking at each other. Like who has more, Weight and swagger and wins Michael that Jordan, staring conversation. Michael Jordan, are you kidding me? Of course. Obama's a Jordan fan. <laughs> yeah, Obama's a Jordan fan. That's a pretty tough. Yeah, Obama. I don't know that, dude. Like... I think legends always stay legends for you, right? Like, uh, but let me. Oh, I, I don't know. I know. I don't know how much time we've got, but did you, did you guys? Do you guys buy the criticism? Has it bothered you guys at all? All of the because Ken Burns talked about this too. You know, this is a documentary from someone's perspective. This is not the the idea of the documentary. You know, has, no, has watch not, baseball by Ken Burns and decide if you care what he thinks. Loser of this like podcast is Ken Burns. Eric has been roasting him for five years. Listen, when I yo, when I when I I killed the natural, I don't care. Like if I watch something that's terrible, I don't care what kind of uh, stature it has in this society. I'll tear it down. Ken Burns. Oh, man. But no, we do live in a day and age right now, and this is this is something that's just going on in the world, and it's both a problem, but also not a problem, is that journalism is now in the hands of everybody. Like, everybody is a journalist. Everybody gets to publish what they want and call themselves a journalist, and some people do it really well, and they develop a following or whatever, but, and there are problems with that, and some of the problems are, look, we don't want... If we take go away from sports, we don't want politicians making their own documentaries yeah, about themselves. Yeah, like sure. There are certain things that this is dangerous, but... So I understand the complaint, but it's also like, guys, it's 2020. You can't. There's no right. more controlling than this. This thing well, is. This is. And how the also, world is now. to your to your point, this is an this is like a uh, autobiography, right? Like, I mean, th- th- certainly there are other documentaries that could have been made, but we all know. Okay, this is the Jordan behind the scenes. Right. He's the guy that he had to sign on for it. I, if they were presenting it a different way, and I do realize they don't put produced by Michael Jordan right afterwards, because I think that would really probably <laughs> hammer it home a little bit. Well, they just call it Jordan, Jordan. But, but Jordan. they're also yeah. not hiding that. I mean, they've talked about how they brought it in. And to me, like, I know nobody here maybe is a huge film buff or anything, but like, if you go all the way back to like through documentary history, uh, you know, Nanook of the North is considered like the first documentary ever. And it was completely staged, right? Like, I mean, those were people that they went out to, but like, I, I'm not sure that this was ever really, other than Ken Burns' full career, I don't know that we ever really presented true documentary completely. You're always coming at it from a perspective. You know what I mean? Sure, like, sure. I mean, so, I felt like that was a little unfair criticism. But I think some documentary filmmakers have an awareness of that fact. Like, of course, there's an inherent bias in, in any docufilm, but there are also concerted efforts, right? in the process of telling this story of like, hey, did we get True. every side? And, and not yeah. all that stuff was there. Um, yeah, yeah like, but the, he, there but was some pushback. I, I mean, that said, well, like, 
I I do kind of like yeah. It's probably not a documentary, but also they're not going to call it like a like a hagiography. They're not going to like <laughs> market it that way, right. you know. So I mean, maybe it would have been better if they called it television event. Well, listen, but I, I, it's I, hard I, when I, everyone's a fan too, right? Like it's got it's got to be hard for the document. You know, the, you're making the documentary. You're a huge fan, like everyone was that lived it. And now yeah. you're trying to like step back. Okay, well, we gave Gary Payton a minute, right? Yeah, right, right. And you oh, yeah, yeah, Michael yeah, Jordan yeah. laughing at him. Like it, it's it would be tough to do. It's a tough. And their tough hands job. were tied in that like their subject matter is this guy who doesn't give anyone anything, and he's going right. to give them everything under his right. own conditions. Like they probably made the best film that they could. I don't think these guys committed crimes. I just no. there is like I don't think they should win technical awards in the genre. Yeah, it's I weird. agree. Well, I'll I'll give my takeaway from from this, and there's a lot of takeaways I have from it. But um, before we go to break, mine is sort of, and it, it, it's interesting that it happened in this moment of time. MJ left at, at, and existed in a moment of time when he could have everybody's attention because that there was only so much on television. And it's so funny to me that this documentary came out at the one time in the last 20 years when he could That's have everyone's point. attention again. It's just like it's a really great the point. serendipitous person on earth that this, is, this all works out for him. Um, yeah. But what I wanted to say was my takeaway was that both Kobe's death really started to get me because I've always been that anti-Mamba mentality guy and just almost dismissed everything about Kobe just just because of that and his death and just really reflecting on it and all, and all those things leading all the way up through watching this my big takeaway is this sort of like the, the just how inspiring and sort of beautiful a person is that is so uniquely and solely focused on one thing and i'm i'm not that way like i have a lot of different interests and a lot of different focus and my mind goes everywhere else but guys like mj and kobe i do think just like 24 hours a day were just like zoomed in on whatever goal they set for themselves and there's just something really really cool about that and when i talk about sports being inspiring um to me this is like the ultimate sort of example of that of like oh look at how great this guy was able to be in large part because of how focused he was on it and they they have the respect of so many other greats right like larry bird talked about this and said i'd rather play with kobe than lebron you know after basically talking about how lebron is perfect and can do everything he's a better teammate and it's like and i'm not saying one way's right or wrong but tarazi was just on screen too and saying like i you know i think there is a cost of winning and tough love gets you a long way she's like i came up through that with uconn you know what I mean? And it's and, I, and again, I don't think it's the only way. I really don't. You know, it's kind of the whiplash debate. It's part of it. There's something for it. There's something to say about it. I also it's loved how uh, how he decided who he would give tough love out to, because he would give it to Scott Burrell, and then when Dennis Rodman comes back from wrestling the night before, <laughs> yeah. he's like cracking jokes about Rodman because well, he knew Scotty, he, he knew he could count on Dennis Rodman. Oh, no, because no, right. he knew Scotty Burrell wouldn't punch him in the face if he said whatever he wanted. Yeah, right. <laughs> Also, Scotty Burrell, who averaged 14 minutes a game in uh, the playoffs, like a huge winner from this entire documentary. He was big. He was <laughs> featured heavily in this. Huge winner. Yeah, not talked at all. They almost not don't mention how terrible he was. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was Google him. Boy. That's my legacy. Is he a fringe Hall of Famer? No. Harrison, okay. take us through our last read here before we get bring in Hank and go to the steps. <laughs> Oh god, okay, actually, I we'll can't bring Hank in now. He can look at us. Hank, what's going on? Yeah! What's up, Hank? Hey. Oh, uh, Hank, I'm going to give you so many wrong answers and try and corrupt you. Uh, <laughs> all right. I, I'm, not, I'm not coming into this expecting to be good. I was thinking, like, I might need some, like, basketball stuff behind me. I was like, I, the Grizz play basketball, too. So that's the best I could do. Do you guys think <laughs> if we're all really into Hank that he'll be better? Yes, no, let's do it. Let's all take Oh, yeah, let's Burrell him. Let's give him the Burrell. Worth a try. Don't give him any food till he gets the third question. <laughs> uh, before we do that, if you guys schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group, they'll hook it up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. Oh. Located just 15 minutes from downtown Denver. Green Mountain Dental Group is in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. Yeah, are you a fan of teeth brushing? I'm a huge huge fan of teeth brushing. Actually, one of the few things you can't use a Manscaped trimmer to fix. Basically, everything here down (laughs) except for the teeth. But you did you... Via trial and error, didn't you? Yeah, right. Like, mm-hmm. did you did oh. you hypothesize that it would help, and you found out that it didn't, or yeah. did you read? Was is that specifically listed on the Manscaped packaging? No, no, no. It was all me. It was all me who figured that out. Same okay. thing. Like, it takes about two months after you trim your leg hair on yeah. the longest shit, sure. uh, setting before it comes back to where you yeah. wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You trim your yeah. Leg. Every, everyone knows that. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like an expert on the things about the Manscaped trimmer nobody knows about. Uh, I was thinking about starting to justify it. Green Mountain Dental is rolling in the grave yeah. right now. Let's Anyways, uh, schedule a cleaning extra exam at It'll Green change Mountain your life. Group. You'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Also, guys, uh, you can purchase StravaCraft coffee online for 20% off using the right code here. DNVR20. Was that uh, in a K-cup? Was it ground? Uh, or? I made... You know, I have to apologize to Strava. I made a lukewarm French press version of their coffee and it was still delicious but i didn't put them in the i didn't put them in the best light the water wasn't hot enough i was i was impatient but it still came through so sorry but thank you great story okay Thanks. um purchase strava craft coffee online for 20 percent off when you use the code dnvr20 all right hank would you call yourself a um denver nuggets expert I'll take yeah. this for Hank. Yeah. He's definitely yeah. a Denver yeah. Nuggets expert. Well, you know what? Let's fire it up anyway. Let's play the steps. Why is Hank is a great question. Um, is that for me? Wait, are we not going to do existential? What's that? Oh, we we're not doing the stonks. We're out of time. We're out of time. Son of a Can we just put guys... the graphic on the thing? Uh, we'll, we'll do stonks tomorrow. We'll do stonks right, tomorrow. We'll do right. stonks tomorrow. <laughs> um, for now, it's time to go right to the steps. And oh, this is where we, our trivia game, where uh, we ask a bunch of questions. Hank works for DNVR, so he's disqualified from winning any prizes. Not yeah, what does Hank win? Hank could definitely take What's going on here? Come on now. Come on, Hank. Yeah, um, well, Hank can win something, right? Like our affections or a compliment from one of gonna us. It's going to take so much. He's going to have to get all 15 right. <laughs> if, you get, if, you get five, if you get five right, we'll each pay you one compliment. How about that? Like Steve Kerr, this is where you earn your wings. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Let's please not compare him to Steve Kerr. Mike, come on. I already Come compared on. Brendan is, to Steve Kerr earlier. Already We've already We're just dishing it. out short white guys are all Steve Kerr. Uh, all right. <laughs> number one, Hank. Who owns the Denver Nuggets? What family? The Cronkies. He's so oh, fun. He right. <laughs> I was really worried he was not going to get a single one right, so this is already out. Surprise me. Number two. Which player's patented celebration involves them pulling an arrow out of their quiver? This is a vote question, or a Harrison question right here. An arrow out of their quiver and shooting it after a made three. They, they, and they thrust it forward. That would be uh, Jamal Murray? That Murray? is correct. Yeah! <laughs> Such a funny way to phrase that one. Number three, which player quiver. had the most... I just most... wanted to make you read that question. <laughs> which player had the most... Game winners for the Nuggets this season. Oh boy, it's got to be Jokic because he's like top three in you the can league, use Patrick. right? That is correct. Yeah, I concur. Um, next okay. time you're gonna have to not back ask a back question. Game to... I'm, gonna okay. start, I'm, I'm gonna start thinking <laughs> of a compliment ahead of time. He did have back-to-back -back game winners. He's crushing. He had it. them against uh, Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns back-to-back -back games. Um, number Some four. people still haven't seen freakish stuff from Jokic though. Oh my goodness, like Max Kellerman. <laughs> You had a great tweet, though, by the way, Harrison. That yet. I the take, that the take isn't that bad. It's not that bad. Okay. Number four. Name the Nuggets' opening night starting five from this season. Opening night. Oh, baby. Just okay. so everyone knows, Hank is a frequent visitor of the Perch. He's at many a Nugget <laughs> game. So he's not coming in blind here. So if he gets this wrong, he should feel bad. I don't worry. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't Drew worry. says well, he can't play for charity. And okay, <laughs> I tell you what, we will donate a sticker pack. Do <laughs> <laughs> so I get to take the sticker pack? Changing the world one sticker at a time. <laughs> All right, Hank. Number four, the uh, starting lineup. Let's hear it. We're gonna go Jamal Murray. Okay. Um, and see, this is the thing: is I'm not totally sure about injuries, but uh, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap. Uh, Nikola Jokic. I think you, you hesitated right. on the last one, okay. but you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Number uh, five. Now, this is for a sticker back here. Oh, man. For, uh, <laughs> for stickers people. for kids. <laughs> stickers for kids. Who is the NBA Finals trophy named after? Uh, Larry O'Brien. <laughs> he did it! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you made it this far, Hank. I'm very impressed. Five in. Right. Very impressed. But you have to keep going. For you it. have to so, keep going. You know, yeah, Hank, do you want to risk your compliments? all the way. <laughs> number Ooh. six. Name all of the teams in the Pacific Division. Okay. Teams. Um, let's start with the uh, Lakers and Clippers. Um, you throw the Kings in. 
Phoenix is four. Um, the music. Oh, okay. Oh, I can get. I can get. Um, I'm feeling the weight over here. There's you have a helper a too. Yeah, you oh. do. Patrick, it, baby boy, will you? Uh, <laughs> do you know the <laughs> Do you, does that make you never want to put that name up again? Just the way that Hank said that. Put your baby boy. Um, not, I can tell you, it's not the Sonics. Okay, okay, so that's something. <laughs> I think I would come up with that myself. Um, Hank, you were on oh, something with the Pacific Coast. Was I? So this team is be, very forgettable. You got so. you got Golden State, right? Did I get Golden State? Golden State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Except not anymore. Wow. I was actually a, like thinking about how much I miss watching Kevin Durant on that team, which is uh, not a thought I thought I thought. Right, can I we never put the Jordan anyway, we forget all about. <laughs> <laughs> the real greatest, the real greatest team of all time, the Kevin Durant. Warriors. All right, number seven. <laughs> not counting undrafted players, which Nuggets player was taking the lowest in the in the draft? I mean, the latest in the draft. Ooh, see that not trade really shakes things up. Not counting the undrafted guys. So let's see. Monte was second round. Uh, round two. So let's see. Jamal's first. Gary's first. Will wow, Barton. going to take for freaking ever. <laughs> okay. Just list them one by one. Uh, Thomas Welsh, late second round. No, see, I knew that one. I also know he's not a nugget, famously. Yep. Um, we're going to go. We're going to go with Bull Bull. He's out. Bye bye. More like bye bye. Wow! Wow! That's funny. Bye bye line was a good one. That was quite a run. I was pretty impressed with Hank. You know what though, guys? Hank is literally a sports reporter. I mean, like really that impressed by him. Like he goes to the games. Even like you didn't go like talk to your mother. And he's at every Nuggets game that we're at. Like this is not that impressive. It's not like true nailing. Yeah, yeah. We're like, wow, what? No, come on, Hank. Come on. The answer, the answer was Monte Morris, the 58th pick. 58, almost. I knew that'd be a good question. 58 pick. Seriously, think about that, dude. The the production they got out of that. Just sitting here. It's as good as it gets. Just sitting here, though, I felt myself falling into the honeypot, the the trap of Adam Mares, where I was like, is it Jokic? He's 41st. (laughs) Is this some sort of trick? I felt myself falling in. I've got Monte as the 51st pick, but I still think he's the correct answer. (laughs) Well, this was a vote (laughs) question, so it's either way it's on him. Uh, No, this was fun, guys. Um, Patrick. I'm gonna miss you. Baby boy, you've been wonderful. I have to listen to your pod. I want to leave you guys with this. Michael Jordan used to bully the mascot of the Bulls. Do you guys know about Benny the Bull? Because they introduced a new, more athletic athletic mascot. So he just gave the old fat mascot shit. Unbelievable. (laughs) I just think that's the moment we should leave. Unbelievable. I love it. I love it. Hey, Michael it. Jordan once said, that's, uh, you know, you can say whatever you want, but but that's because you never won anything. I would just I like to that flip line. that. I'm love pretty that sure line. once you've won everything, you can just say whatever you want. I think it's the <laughs> other way. Around. That's the take of this yeah. entire documentary. You're correct. I want to meet Michael Jordan, but I, don't, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. never will. <laughs> I love him. Don't, don't I don't want to meet him. It would destroy me. He's not my hero, so I want to meet him. There you go. I do. I want to shake his giant hand. Oh, Patrick, that would be wild. Watch just my hand disappear in his. Yeah. Just assaults him right off yeah. the bat. Look at this bad idiot. Yeah. Wow, that's a weak handshake. Right? Yeah. Thanks yeah, so much for having me, though, guys. It's been fun. I appreciate you guys letting me come on. Um, Thanks for hanging. We, you guys can check out his podcast, the Movies and Shit Podcast. If you're in the movies, very, very good. Um, or shit. Or oh, shit. shit. Yep. Sometimes it is about shit. Sometimes about 21 shit, feet so. of shit. <laughs> I, I am going to need those heights, guys, by the end of the show. Yeah. Um, you can check that out on iTunes or wherever you get your stuff. Guys, we're going to be back again tomorrow. Who's our guest? Oh, Dave DeFore. That's life, my guy, Dave DeFore. Um, he'll be back on the show tomorrow. We're going to be talking about the Nuggets and Amnesties. Guys, Ooh, they might whoa. bring back the Amnesty. They might bring back really? the Amnesty. For, oh, for my, bad Michael contracts? Jordan's very happy about that news, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's like, man, that Rozier contract was terrible. Oh, I know man. we just did it four months How ago. How many do I get? <laughs> and then uh, my last point, don't put Terry Rozier and Jamal Murray in the player comparison tool on basketball. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get out of here. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> oh, jeez. Murray and Terry Rozier. Denver Rubber Company remains open to supply products to other essential businesses in the times that we're in, like medical, military, defense, government, wind energy, and food and beverage industries. They are the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. 
Like I said, they are an essential business. They filled so many needs for several industries across the country during this crazy time. These guys have been around since 1972. So they're a wealth of knowledge. If you got any questions about anything you're doing around the house, any projects you're getting into, hit them up. DRC is known for cutting and supplying rubber snowplow blades. They also provide custom cut rubber and foam gaskets, hose assemblies, and metal parts. Be sure to call them today for any of your needs. 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com backslash dnvr.